This episode of Harmonious Gentlemen is brought to you by Blind Man Brewing, makers of craft beer in central Alberta. Say hi to Hans when he delivers beer right to your doorstep. Harmonious Gentlemen. Well, with podcast episodes were cans of Blind Man beer, it would make sense that this, our 24th episode, would be 24-2, Blind Man's... St- British brown ale, and it's quite delicious. Hi, I'm Chris. I'm t- I'm Tyler. <laughs> I'm Graham, and I'm Peter. Intros are way harder uh, online <laughs> when you can see each other digitally. We're the harmonious gentlemen, and we're recording um, remotely, socially responsibly distant. It's the second time we've done this, and I kind of prefer being—no offense to you guys, but not being close to you. Oh, thanks a lot. Yeah, <laughs> it smells better. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, Peter, welcome back. Uh, it's good to be back. Yeah, I love that you look. I mean, you're already the smartest guy, but of course, you have to put a bunch of books in the background of your video. So it just really hammers home that point. I got some well, books. I, I just like being in my office. Oh, so. <laughs> well, you do. Yeah, it's possible that Peter is actually not in front of books, but he just has like a a, a green photo screen. that he's. Yeah, green yeah, screen. That's behind. exactly what I have. I actually don't read at all. So yeah, he's actually in a Tim Hortons right now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we tried to post the video for the last one on YouTube, and Tyler it didn't work out, did it? No, it was it failed. And there were some good okay. little visual gags we had in there, like the yeah. But yeah, well, we'll try it's again on this YouTube, time. But no visual um, perks. This one, hopefully, there is. Um, and I want to, Chris, uh, mentioned 24, two, this beer. And I was a little distracted when he mentioned it. Cause he said it's a British ale. So I was reading the, the label and I was a little distracted. You weren't oh. wrong. It's just uh, okay. think, an English style. I don't know if that's, oh, English, English style. but I knew you, you were close. And also I want to say Chris did maybe one of the most harmonious things yesterday. He, uh, yeah, he just dropped this can of beer off on my, on my doorstep. And my yeah. four-year-old son picked it up and uh, just brought it to me, and it was wonderful. So thanks, Chris. And my, you held on long enough to drink it today. That's good. My four-year-old did the same thing but drank half of it before I got it. So thanks, Chris. <laughs> thanks, <laughs> Chris. <laughs> I was a little bit. My, my son didn't know who you were, and he just said, this, this man, this dad just gave me this beer. And I was a little bit <laughs> I, had, I just came in the house and was a little confused about but then um, he gave the beer to me. I was totally fine with it. Ty, we had one of my favorite emails, I think, of all time. Not even just harmonious emails, but just in my email career, which started in grade 10 under the email showerhead8 at hotmail.com. Nice. Um, but if you wouldn't, that's true, by the way. Um, thought it was so clever. Ty, would you mind reading my favorite harmonious email? Sure. Um, we actually got a few, like more than one between episodes, which is more than usual. Um, yeah. So we just, I'm just going to give a shout out to Tim alien for sending yet another wonderful email address. And he, in his email, I'm not going to read it, but he referred to a previous message he had sent that none of us could recall. So we actually looked back yeah. through our archives and we found it. So there's actually two unread Tim alien emails that are both wonderful, but we'll, we'll do that on another occasion, but thanks Tim. For sending those. We should do a whole episode deep dive into figuring this out. I think we, it might take that. Yeah. Yeah. Aliens part two. Um, but this email was uh, also sent after our last episode. It says, Dear recurring. Oh, never mind. That's our response. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Tyler is still figuring out how email works. Yeah. Um, Peter, Peter, do you do you have it in your sent file? Could you could you read it in your own voice since you wrote this email? <laughs> Thanks for outing me there. I, I preferred to to stay in the closet on no, that. One. But I want to have a conversation with you about it. I had to I had to bring it up. <laughs> so Peter, do you have it there or do you want me to read it? Oh, I I have to find it. So it'll probably be better if you read it. Okay. I read it and you guys jump in wherever you need to. Dear Harmonious Gentlemen, specifically Graham, I predict that Run From Rome will have a score of 14%. (laughs) 
the consensus will be while an intriguing concept, it was poor in world building and execution. So maybe an aside, listeners who are just joining us after our long uh, history of episodes may not know that Peter's really good at predicting rotten tomato scores for films. So yeah. uh, I think that's what he's referring to there. And my run from Rome was my movie idea from last episode that he's saying would get a 14%. So that's a great start. <laughs> but then he goes on, okay, that was harsh, but I also disagree with comparing this to Tarantino. What makes his movies work is the fact that they are in a different universe in which the ideas would work. If run from Rome was a Tarantino movie, it would be in a world in which guns were possible in ancient Rome. Guns do not have to be introduced until the end. They just have to be possible. Tarantino always makes a world that is different enough for this unique change is possible. Peter, you should edit your writing. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Also for this movie to work, the pace is really important. It has to be slow for the first three quarters of the movie, but I agree character development and building an emotional connection. I agree. Now you're just like pumping up Graham. That's exactly (laughs) what he had told us. Exactly what I was saying. Yeah. Then the last quarter is all impact. Similar to Matthew Vaughn movies. Now I'm embarrassed for thinking about the movie so much and then writing an email about it. <laughs> After the I wrote the email, I'm like, I wrote this? Like- <laughs> That's how I felt about my movie idea. <laughs> it always sounds way better when you listen to it after it's posted. Um, it says, from the recurring harmonious guest, but not enough to be a real harmonious gentleman. <laughs> Oh, get the end. Yeah, at least you know where you where you stand yeah <laughs> peter it's all worth it uh, to know that you just thought about my idea that's all that matters to me that you actually sat with it and thought about it for more than a few seconds it means a lot but i still gave it a 14 percent. yeah but but if you notice what he said was the movie despite what was it despite like a good vision or whatever like all the things that you praised were my ideas now the execution might be poor but i'm not the director i'm not the <laughs> actor you know i don't i'm not responsible for that but anyway, Peter, i you. think you'd agree uh like rotten tomatoes isn't necessarily how much you personally like a film it's what the general consensus is so yeah you might still guiltily like it though i've never liked a film that was lower than 60 percent. so okay we'll, we'll figure that <laughs> oh whatever okay <laughs> so peter thank you for the email um if anyone is confused the last episode explains it and i i think it's worthwhile a deep dive into that idea. That was a fun last episode because it was pointless and stupid. And I really wanted that. So thank you. Well, that concludes this episode. That's what we were going <laughs> <for. laughs> Ouch. Pointless and stupid. That should be our, like our, our hashtag. Yeah. Our subtitle. <laughs> Harmonious gentlemen, pointless and stupid. Pointless and stupid. Um, okay. Well, speaking of things that are not pointless, we need to take a quick break and hit recommendations. This COVID number two recommendations. You guys ready for that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you're not, here's here's some time. Well, wow, perfect. We are now at the time of the podcast for recommendations. Uh, Ooh. It feels like every time I introduce a segment on the podcast, it feels like a church service, but that's... Uh, <laughs> uh, but... But my my recommendation is the uh, Dark Crystal Age of Resistance. It's a Netflix TV show that's based off of the 80s Jim Henson movie. Uh, The 80s uh, movie uh, was my favorite movie as a kid. And uh, the uh, Age of Resistance, it's it's a really weird TV show. I'm sure some people start watching and will just stop it immediately but this is my third time uh watching that series i i've just been obsessed with it and every every time i've written a sermon lately i've been listening to the the uh soundtrack the score of the um uh, tv show and it's it's quite impressive so i keep on hoping they'll renew it for a second season hasn't happened yet but i hope they do uh, now, a quick thing: we, we we may have had this recommendation before, right? We weren't totally sure on the podcast. I don't yeah, think we I have. I didn't remember, so yeah. hopefully, I didn't repeat myself. Well, that's okay. it's awesome. It's worth. It might have been me too before. Yeah, you had only seen it once at that point. Now you've seen it three times. Yeah, it still holds up upon the third watching. It's 
There's so much detail. I think that's part of the reason why it does. It's just uh, high quality yeah. art too. Yeah. My favorite Tywo. scene oh, in that uh, in that series is when the the characters who are giant puppets do a puppet show. Yes. Yeah. That's that is really awesome. And it's long too. Like it's a big chunk of the episode. But yeah. Um, my recommendation is connected to. I'm kind of like taking back something I said or we talked about in the last episode about how it's kind of nice not to have to wear pants, <laughs> right? Like how we were all cooped up around in our houses. We're doing a lot of these video chats. So you don't really need to worry about your bottom half. And <laughs> one of us said something like, if you're wearing pants, like who are you trying to fool? Like just wear sweats all the time. And I agreed with that. Yeah, but yeah, that was you actually, Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> I think I, I think I may have said that about jeans, but. but and I, like I would have, yeah, fully embrace that for the first couple of weeks of this uh, distancing. But now my recommendation is to make a point of getting dressed every day. Like um, you don't have to like get real dressed up or anything, but change out of your pajamas is kind of my recommendation. My kids have been enjoying it. It's just like makes it feel like more of a normal day. Um, so, yeah, that's my recommendation. Don't wear sweatpants every day. Routine. Throw on, like, yeah. Kind of a simple one, but just make this uh, unnormal, abnormal time. You still need some structure, and you still need to make it feel normal. When you're when you're dressed uh, in lazy clothes, you're going to be more lazy. Well, I'm not wearing pants today, but I'll take that. Yeah, for tomorrow, I'm wearing like any pants, but right to know. Um, I'm going to recommend a person. The first time I've done that. The person is Andy Crouch. You guys probably know him. I've heard him speak in person. He's a writer. I think he started as a journalist, but he has a podcast as well. And he's just a really intelligent thinker. So the last couple books that he's read are written. I don't know what he's read. He's written about um, redeeming power and about culture making. And lately his podcast, The Redemptive Edge, talks a lot about um, how leaders can respond in a time of crisis to their organizations and the people that they're leading in um, powerful ways. It's really good stuff. So check out Andy Crouch, whatever he's writing or uh, talking about, it's worth tuning into. Cool. And I'm going to recommend um, uh, the Globe and Mail weekend edition. Um, it's, I, we've had a subscription for a while to the Globe and Mail, just their weekend one, and uh, it's good. It's fine. I've never, you know, read everything, and but it's nice to have. But just recently, the last few weeks has been really good. I like the articles. It's been really balanced and, and reasonable about the COVID pandemic. Um, really good articles, good opinion articles, and uh, it's a lot better than uh, the online atmosphere. I find. Uh, Peter, you can speak to this too, I'm sure. But oh yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of. Uh, uh, newspapers i get the new york yeah. times and so. yeah yeah we used to get that too but both was too much but uh no it's it's been it's really good so I, I would it's not that expensive and you get one every saturday morning actually the guy drops it off at like midnight on friday night and so almost always if i'm if i'm up at that time i hear something on the front porch and i always reach for my gun no i'm just kidding i don't have a gun but i always <laughs> have this moment like <laughs> i forget that what's going on but yeah it's been a, a good news source with all this and, and staying offline um Maybe a little bit too much American coverage, and I'm sure it gets them more interest because of how much of a gong show some of this stuff can sound like, maybe, and how um, tabloidy it can be. But no, overall, it's quite good. So Globe and Mail is doing a good job during these times. Keep it up. But my question is, how do you, in a newspaper, how do you read the comments from people? <laughs> yeah. Like that's the <laughs> most important part. <laughs> you know what? I, I may or may not have pinched to Zoom uh, a couple times um, to like see closer the, the text. <laughs> no um there's no comments it's beautiful beautiful actually i'll be honest the, the political cartoon today was was not great so pick it up guys but the rest was was really good yeah i read uh, a really interesting uh, polling of canadians and how they feel about our federal government and how from a year ago today compared to today there's a huge change in at least the sentiments and and just the opinions of our current federal government i won't say what i, won't, I don't want to get political but it's very interesting hmm. Um, speaking of interesting, uh, Chris, why don't you hit the listeners with our topic today? Well, this is a time of, um, 
change and uncertainty and maybe for some people even fear. So we had talked about um, personally, what's the worst thing that's ever happened to you? And would that be something you'd be willing to talk about in, uh, to our myriads of listeners <laughs> and now viewers for this episode? They'll get to see the fear right in our faces. Maybe not something fearful, but, you know, just the worst. And then I was thinking for myself, it's hard to just pick one. So stay tuned. Well, I was thinking of um, just in my own 43 year history, bad things that have happened to me. And I've had a really good life, actually. Um, And even things that that I thought at the time were bad turned out really incredible uh, for me. So I'll give you two quick examples of those. Um, had a baby very early, just out of high school, and that ended up just amazingly well with the support of family and our community. Um, but that could have been a bad news story. Uh, we have twin boys who are well, 22 now, and they are deaf. And when we found that out, that was, yeah, a pretty terrible day. Um, but that, again, turned out to be kind of a Yeah, community story. So I I guess I'm not going to count those, but I'm going to tell you about the time that I was most scared. And I was uh, living in Red Deer, but working out on a a dairy farm west of town. And so I would get up every morning around five and drive out to milk. And I was going down uh, Ross Street and at the intersection of Ross and Gates, I was hit by another car. Um, It wasn't a serious accident. I wasn't injured. Um, and I knew it was totally not my fault. They were in the lane to the right of me and they tried to turn left. And I don't know if it was just because it was really early in the morning and they didn't think a car would be there. The other vehicle that they just ran into me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what happened was they, three fellas got out of the car and basically I thought they were going to beat me up and kind of drag me. I don't know what I thought was going to happen, but they tried to intimidate me into admitting that the accident was my fault which didn't like, didn't even make sense how it possibly could have been Um, long. This could be a long story, but I'll make it short. Um, What ended up happening was I said, there's no way I'm admitting to this. And I actually thought that that was just going to cause me to kind of get my butt kicked right on, on the street corner there. Um, But they said, okay, then we better go to the cops. So we went to the cops, the police station filled out accident reports. And then I ended up having to go to court. And when I, uh, talked to the police officer. I said, I'll go to court, but like, are those guys going to be there? Cause that's a little intimidating for me. And he said, no way. They don't have to be there for this initial court case. So I actually acted as my own, um, not lawyer, but whatever the word would be for that. And uh, sure enough, these guys were there, all three of them, and they uh-huh. brought more people and they met me on the kind of the steps of the courthouse again, uh-huh. to kind of intimidate me to not tell the truth, I guess. And I just said, no, like we're going through with it guys. So it all turned out okay. But I just thought, you know, if you were easily intimidated, people could sure get to you quick. You're so a badass. Not like a terrible thing, but I know I was scared two times by these, by this group of three. Were you scared after the court? Like when you left the courthouse? Like were you- um, It's funny because my uncle was there and he, for whatever reason, he wore a trench coat and he looked like this mafia enforcer. <laughs> And he showed up that day, like, to come support me. And he just happened to be there when we walked out of court. And they kind of left me alone because he's a big guy. You got Neo on your side. (laughs) (laughs) Like, who wears a trench coat? But it turned out okay. Wow. And so there was no legal problem after that. They were like, oh, yeah, Uh, really? The the judge, like I was maybe 20 at the time and the judge just got a kick out of me. I entered evidence, you know, I said I had taken pictures of the intersection and I drew a little map and I said, I'd like to enter these as articles uh, for my defense. And she's just kind of giggling as I was doing this. I think I watched a little, I don't know, Allie McBeal before I uh, <laughs> went to court. But. And your uncle watched The Matrix and that's how. And he going. watched The Matrix. So yeah. movies had our back. Anyway. So that really sticks that so that fear sticks out to you then in your memory. Yeah, probably like maybe I've been afraid of I think, you know, my nightmare dreams. Mm-hmm. And but this is real life and yeah, I thought, well, I could really get hurt here. How old were you? Uh, 19 or 20. That's pretty young. Yeah. Yeah, and these guys were probably 30s and 40s. 
And Nobody all big, hurt. big dudes. And, oh. and maybe on their end, they wouldn't have never done anything. They just wanted me to think they would have. Right. Hmm. So if that's the worst thing that's ever happened to a person, that's not that bad. Well, and I think it's interesting when you talked at the beginning about how some things seemed like the worst thing at the time or, or off at the time. And they've since become blessings or, or real positives. And I, when I was thinking about today, the worst thing that happened to me, almost everything I thought about had a, at least a silver lining, you know, or I could look at it in the grand picture, like you talked about. And you look back and think, well, I, I wanted that. Like, I, I would have that happen again, like looking at it yeah. now. Um, or, you know, that's, yeah, I really feel that way. But yeah. only one thing really stuck out to me that I, I just cannot feel that way about. And I don't think I ever could feel that way is, um, and you guys know this happened a couple of years ago, but one of my best friends died a couple of years back. And I, you know, and I look back on it now and I thought about it today. I realized like that's, for me, that was the most kind of empty I ever felt, kind of just devastated I ever felt. Um, and I'm with you, Chris. I felt like I've had a pretty good life, pretty fortunate life and, and I haven't had a ton of things to persevere through. Um, but, did, but yeah, a good friend of mine, he was my roommate for, you know, I don't even know how many years, five, six years. Um, best man at, at his wedding and all that stuff and um yeah so he he was he was a biker he was getting into cycling it's actually really funny in, in college he was not an athlete at all and he was kind of this like small little guy and and i always kind of teased him and stuff but anyway he became this like hyper athlete later on in life and was winning competitions and and just hitting his stride like crazy and yeah he made it all all the more tragic but he was cycling in the lower mainland and was hit by a, a car head on and killed him and hurt some of his friends and um so yeah i got the i got the news that night and it was hard to i still don't even know if i really understood it or, or that's not the right word but i still haven't really maybe dealt with it in every way i could i don't know if that makes sense but you yeah. you feel like there's still parts of you that mourn right like you never stop mourning maybe mm-hmm. and um actually funny enough two days later or three days later trump became the president uh that was 2016 actually that was the same week that was quite the week um and then the part, uh, the part of the story that gets even crazier is, and you guys know this, uh, I think Chris and Ty have talked about it, but he, he and his wife were trying to get pregnant at the time with their first kid, and and he, they, it took them a long time, and he thought it wasn't happening, but she found out she was pregnant after he died, wow. so he didn't even know that, and hmm. uh, you know we had talked a lot about, you know, oh my God, it's gonna happen, like don't worry about it and stuff, and so anyway, yeah, his um, his daughter's. I guess just about four years old now. Wow. And uh, we keep in touch. Um, I went and spoke at his funeral and and I, I knew his wife before, so we we talk and stuff. But it's, uh, yeah, I, I can't, no, no part of me can look at that and think like there's any kind of, you know, rhyme or reason, right? Like this yeah. doesn't make any sense. And there's ongoing uh, legal battles that have happened ever since. And it's messy. And, uh, Do you think, Graham, though, that it, that those things are made easier when you can make sense of them? No, it's almost like that's just what easier. you try and do. You try and yeah. you try and make sense of things. Maybe I don't know. Um, I, but for me, I don't know if I really fully believe it with every fiber of yeah. my being. Like, there's yeah. still like one percent of me that like goes to bed at night and and thinks, "Oh, he's fine." Like, uh, you know what I mean? I don't. I'll see him again. I don't fully think he's gone. Yeah. Um, because it just, it doesn't make sense, you know? Well, and, uh, I appreciate both your guys. I didn't know what your, the stories were going to be. And I appreciate hearing the kind of both of them and the difference between them too. Like Chris actually proposed this idea of Tom Modar kind of worst thing that happened to us. And I didn't really know what to expect, but, like Chris's story seems like just a really, really intense fear for a very short period of time or like two different periods of time, right? Yeah. Like the morning when it happened, like, and you're confronted by guys. And then again at the courthouse. And I think most people would have a similar experience in their life, their life where like really intense fear for like a short period of time, but then it's done. Right. right. And you can remember that feeling, but then, Graham, like yours is one that you like think about and dwell on. Right. And it's like at, when it first happens, it's almost like that's not the most intense feeling. Yeah. Um, that's just what I like. 
I can but it's always kinda, there. Kinda, you're, you're kinda numb. It's like a dull thing right away. Yeah. Yeah. And it's never going away. No. No, it, it's a yeah. Yeah. And I like I had to think back, you know, my I'm not I don't think about or perseverate on my my experience. It's like I have to yeah. think, oh what yeah, what is something that happened to me? And yours is probably a daily Potentially, well, and mine wasn't daily thing. It wasn't. It didn't happen to me. You know, it was in my in my world, yeah. and you know, it's a little bit of a different. But it did but, in in a lot of ways too. It, oh yeah, no, it, it uh, yeah. But it's when I, I talked to Heidi about it, I said like, so I had some tough times, but like every everything else I thought about had some kind of yeah. But you know, may, you know, maybe this or every yeah. single thing. Yeah. And this, um, you know, I mean, yeah. What do you you know? Yeah. Boy, this is a downer of a topic. Oh, I don't know where to go from there. But <laughs> <laughs> um, I think actually his wife listens, so hello, and miss hmm. you, and what the visit? Yeah, hmm. daughter's adorable, pretty awesome. Yeah. Uh, maybe we'll do a break. Do you have a like a really sad jingle you could put in? Oh man. Or a really happy one, maybe. Yeah. Well, you know, I was just thinking about this today and I I learned I started learning bass like right after he died, and he was a bass player in my band. Hmm. And that's when I started learning it. And I'm I play it in my band Fallow Years now. And uh but it's so weird how things work that I for a couple of years I didn't put those things together. Like I didn't at all. Like I just thought, I'm gonna learn bass. And when I look back on it, it's like right when that happened, I picked one up. His dad gave me one of his old basses. I started learning bass hmm. and I'm loving it. And so maybe I'll do a little bass jingle or something on this one. Who knows? Oh, that's cool. Yeah. But yeah, it is, it's neat that and kind of weird that my brain didn't like put those wires together until years later. Hmm. And then Trump winning. I got to tell you, I thought it was a dream that week. I thought my <laughs> life had be, literally had become a dream. I don't, I don't equate the two in terms of like personal, you know, tragedy. Um, devastation but my goodness i thought what is going on right now he was quite a politically minded person so the talks we would have had (laughs) all right we'll do a little break all right so like i said um in the last segment that we didn't really know where we were going with this, or at least I didn't know. And most certainly Peter didn't know where we were going with this, uh, with this topic, but yeah, it's so far, it's been interesting. Chris, mostly a a fear kind of story. And um, Graham, how would you kind of summarize yours? Like, yeah, I don't, I don't know, like dealing with an, um, a loss, like a, yeah, um, right. and, I wouldn't say that it's, it's like an anger thing. Um, from my point of view, it was more just a kind of a devastation and like a you're always wondering, right? Like it just kind of lingers. So right. a loss sounds sounds like grief or lament would be. Yeah, yeah. Right. I think I think grief. Yeah, and actually, both those terms fit. Thank you, Peter. Those are good. Yeah, lament. I am a pastor, so yeah, I- that is true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um and. My, uh, the story I'm going to share, I don't know if it fits into what well, kind of fits in with both of those categories, but, um, yeah, it's interesting. I don't really know how to set it up. So I'll probably just start kind of telling it and, uh, explain things along the way. But, um, I guess the first thing to say is that I don't actually remember this at all. So like for me to say, this is the worst thing that happened to me is, I didn't know if it would count because it's probably like the worst event that happened to me. But for me, it's not my worst memory, right? Like I have stories similar to Chris's, like where I was really, really scared. And this probably was one of those situations. I just don't have the memory of it anymore. And then I also have stories of of loss and grief and stuff like that too. Um, But this one would probably be, if you just took the, what happened, probably like the most um, tragic or kind of scary thing that ever happened to me. So I was in my second year of university in Edmonton 
and we were, um, I lived in a house with some friends and we were having a house party and it, everything was wrapping up. Actually, my last, my last memory from that night was playing, um, like a, a drinking game with, with some friends around the table. So I, I remember that. And I remember actually standing outside our house about to walk some, some girls home. So there was a group of girls who lived in residence at the university. So we thought we'd be kind of these chivalrous tough guys and walk these girls home. And then, so that's what, that's the kind of my last memory. But then along the way, um, me and a friend were kind of walking right down the middle of the street. It's late, late night. Um, we're on the middle of the street. There's a group of girls on the sidewalk. Um, and then on the other side, I had another friend, another guy who was kind of walking off by himself and then a, a white van or a van. I don't even know if it was white. That's in, in my, when I make this story up in my head is a white van <laughs> pulls up and, uh, some guys get out and, uh, they confront me and my roommate who are in the middle of the road. And they hold us at kind of knife point and they have weapons. They have golf clubs behind their back. My friend who was on his own on the other side of the street, he was held at knife point by a couple of guys. They took his wallet, took his phone. Um, and then in the middle of the road, me and my roommate were confronted by a number of guys and we could tell it was like, we didn't have our wallets, but we knew that wasn't really why they were there based on, their demeanor and the weapons they had. So it turned into a bit of a fight and the fight ended very quickly with me and my friend, um, kind of bleeding in the middle of the street. We were hitting the heads with golf clubs and yeah. It, so that, that's like the, the action part of the story was us getting kind of knocked out and clubbed. But the, the part that, like for me, I don't remember that. I remember waking up in the hospital and kind of over the next few days or a couple of days seeing, seeing people off and on in the hospital and kind of having this story told to me about what happened. And, um, and then over so the next couple I, weeks, you've pieced it together, not because you remember it, but because of what people have told you. Yeah. 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 And, uh, like the, the friend who I was, kind of attacked within the middle of the street. We were, we still are really good friends. So, and this comes up every once in a while, like we'll be together with someone else who hasn't heard the story and we'll kind of tell it together. So a lot of this comes from, from his telling of the story. And then I don't know, like it, it feels like I can, I remember it, but it's all just, uh, there's no real emotion attached to it. Like I don't remember the, the fear. I don't remember the, the pain really of it. Um, but the part that makes it kind of hard for me to talk about is I know how hard it was for him. Like he, he, he remained conscious the whole time and he does remember it, but I was knocked right out and was had, I actually had a skull fracture and like a bad concussion. And so I was bleeding out of the side of my head all kind of all over the street and unconscious and the guys who did it, they thought they killed me. So they, they left kind of quickly. Cause I don't think they were really prepared for that. And then all the, the girls and the, and the, my friends who were standing around and saw it happen, all, they also thought I was dead. So for them, was like, it's, it's for them. weird. Like other than the one guy who was right there with me, I haven't really talked a lot to the other people there because I know it was, I know it was really hard for them, but so that's kind of, and then I know for my parents too, like to get the phone call about what happened and to come visit me in the hospital. And I don't even really remember that. Like it's probably harder for other people than it is for me, even though it happened to me, which is a little. Well, Tyler, one of the reasons I thought about this topic is because I was talking, I just heard your dad saying one of the things that was so um, powerful about being in community was uh, people can help each other out. Like when our son was injured, the church really had our back. Like I, 
that just, yeah, made me think of this story and talking about it. Well, and quite often, like when this story comes up, that's the part that I, I do remember is, is the community part of it afterwards. And like hearing that, um, that the church even knew about it and was praying for me and that the school I went to as a kid, there were people there praying for me and concerned for me. One of my best friends, his parents visited me in the hospital and they're one of the people, like, I don't remember everyone who visited me, but I remember them like really clearly, like that one of my, my friends who kind of grew up with and they came, drove to Edmonton to visit me there. Like some of that stuff is almost like really positive memory came out of it. But um, yeah, the event itself was, was pretty rough. Yeah. And yeah, no kidding. Could have been well, as a parent. Yeah. When you think now that you're a parent too, you think sometimes the things that happen to your kids are worse for you than if it happened to yourself. And I was thinking of that leading up to this, that actually things that have happened to my kids have been harder on me than things that have happened to me personally, I think. Right. Well, and even Ty, how often do you think about this? Like in your day to day life now, does, do you, does it come across your mind at all day to day or not really? No day to day. Never really. Like I do have, um, tinnitus, like a ringing in my ear that is kind of always there. But I, I don't, I mean, at this point, I don't really notice it, but occasionally it, it'll just, I'll notice it, but I don't really connect. Again, I don't connect it to a, anything too emotional. Like I, but I do remember why, why I have that hmm. or hmm. yeah. So it's not on my mind. No, but, but apparently like, and when Chris, you told me that you heard that from my, my parents or my dad. Like, so then I wonder how much it's on, how much they think about it. Yeah. Right. Or. Um, yeah. And maybe just because of the question that was asked of them, that's what brought it up. But yeah, maybe they're, yeah. maybe they think about it a lot. Thanks. I, I'm, I wonder if we just do a quick, a quick, uh, quick stop here, break for a moment. And before we move on, is that cool? Yes. Yeah. It's cool. And uh, yeah, that's a crazy story though. those guys might think that like you that you die and they never and they still think that yeah so did anybody get caught or did they investigate this or what i guess that's the other the other part like there's with some of these stories or if you think about worst thing that's happened to you there could be some frustration or unsettled business with a lot of these things and and i think that's the case with this story is that no one was ever like held accountable um, there was, a like an investigation. I wasn't, I didn't really have to talk to the police at all because I was, I would have been useless, but like my friends did and they, some of them even, or at least one of them had to go to a, like a lineup and try to identify somebody and couldn't do it with. And I think that was really hard for them was that they kind of had the opportunity to help kind of wrap it up, but they couldn't. So I had friends in university who, when I, when I returned to school, they were all about, let's go find these guys. Let's get revenge. Let's like, they were angry on my behalf kind of. And, yeah. and yes, yeah, so that's another the weird element of it is that there's this on, it's like, it's just kind of, it happened and it for, yeah. for some people and, but no, but there's no explanation really. We don't really know why they, like me and my friends weren't on our best behavior, but we weren't like looking for trouble. Like we weren't involved in any, anything that would be violent. Like we were just walking, trying to be gentlemen <laughs> and walk uh, some girls home late at night and then kind of out of nowhere this happens. And then two weeks later, you know, nothing's resolved. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> let's take a let's take a little breath here. All right. So I yeah, the story that I decided to tell um 
And it's another heavy one, but I enjoy like, well, I shouldn't say enjoy, but there's something special about heavy episodes or heavy topics. Like, but I, I do have a sort of more melancholy personality at times, but there's, there's some, there's depth um, when we deal with uh, situations of injustice or grief or those sort of things. Um, uh, for me, my uh, story isn't something that so much happened to me. I was, uh, it was something that heavily impacted me. It was a life altering thing, but it wasn't like something that directly happened to me. Um, this was when I was in high school. Um, when During my middle school and high school years, I had a lot of uh, uh, struggles with uh, pastors of uh, uh, which is ironic that I am a pastor now, uh, but like a struggle of uh, um, either being treated poorly by pastors or or um, yeah, just being um, forced to to leave churches and certain things like that. And uh, there's this pastor in my hometown that I connected rather closely with. He was, a fantastic, fantastic guy. And everybody in the town actually really enjoyed him. He was, he was rough around the edges, but very gentle and kind. And, uh, um, and, uh, he was, he was somebody that everybody just felt comfortable with, uh, during, I think it was either my junior or senior year, he committed suicide. Uh, so it was this thing that impacted the entire community that, uh, um, I was that I grew up in, but it was also something where like, oh, this is like the first time I actually felt connected and comfortable with a pastor. Um, and this happened and nobody, it took everybody by surprise. Nobody knew the details. Um, it was just, uh, um, yeah, something that nobody was expecting. And I think like when I reflected on that, um, it kind of, it kind of showed me, um, or, well, it really created a sense of empathy for me because up until that point, I was highly critical of every pastor that I came across and I, uh, highly disliked them. And then it created this empathy where like the, the burden that these other pastors must've been going through as well. It, in some weird way, it kind of lessened my dislike for other pastors, um, uh, but it was also uh, seeing how this community comes together during a time of grief and how, uh, because the community I grew up in only like 2000 people. Uh, so like this was something that like everybody was dealing with rather uh, heavily. And so it, it's, yeah, like it's how do you process uh, uh, grief in, in those situations? And, there, yeah, this was a, a situation again where there really isn't a, a silver lining, uh, except like um, I think even other people, not just me, it, it produced a, a sense of empathy where we don't know what's going on in people's lives. Uh, so even though we thought everything was fine, obviously everything wasn't, and uh, um, and that's I think that's healthy for people to develop is that that. Uh, understanding that there's information that you don't know about other people and, and being kind in those um, situations. That's probably pretty tough though, Peter, for the community to come to terms with something like that. My guess is like, especially in a small uh, community, everybody knows them, the why and the um, how could he kind of stuff must've been pretty intense. Especially too, he was kind of a controversial pastor because he he was somebody that could connect with any group of people, and and those sort of pastors tend to be controversial. So like the more the more I don't know stern pastors that were in town did not like this guy, and uh, uh, so it so it was it was a weird dynamic in in the community. Um, and, and Peter, like totally, like not that you'd ever suspect this, but like a complete shock, right? Like, like no. Yeah, it was like, um, yeah, I was receiving that phone call and like everybody had that, that sense of shock to it. Like they, um, 
and I don't think the community, I'm not sure if people ever did recover. Like, um, yeah, that church got a new pastor. Um, but like, yeah, people, I don't think ever really forgot. Yeah. About that pastor. And he, he was a wonderful guy. Like I, I, I wonder like sometimes how differently things would be if, if, uh, he was continued to be my pastor. Like, uh, um, How long did you know him for? Uh, two years, I would say. Yeah. Yeah, and that's in, like Graham's story. Like, just it feel, must feel senseless or uh, so unnecessary, right? In one sense, yes, but in another sense, I've realized even even um, some of the most incredible people. Um, go through so much turmoil and sometimes there there is that sort of buckle under the pressure like it's uh uh where it is senseless um and it's it's not the right thing to do uh but you you i i think you begin to realize that like in their mind it was the right thing to do um and that doesn't make it right but it it creates this like like, yeah, like I said earlier, this, this empathy. Right. Wow. I think one thing that's, um, like I was trying to think when Tyler, you said like, what's the, would there be a theme here or sort of like a purpose for us doing this? I think when you're vulnerable with people, um, that, that can build harmony actually. Like you can see somebody in a new light or you can, like you said, Peter, you, you increase in empathy for somebody. I think that's have a. You, have you felt that way about the current situation? Like I, I feel like you just nailed it for what I've been feeling lately is a, a little bit more of a community sense. It's that extra pause saying hello if I see someone on a trail for a walk or like my neighbor, like I feel more connected maybe because um, we're, because we're vulnerable. Yeah, we're vulnerable and we're reminded of the things that we took for granted maybe i've actually kind of in the back of my mind been thinking about connections to the current situation too and i can see connections to all the all the the stories like the um especially the maybe especially the empathy thing that we're talking about with peter's story and what you just mentioned but but even with like chris's like moments of like intense fear, like where it's short lived, like there's been like when I was reading headlines all the time, right? Like there, and even still, like there are ones that catch my attention and then I just have like an intense feeling of fear. Right. But then also kind of like Graham's story about being able to like dwell on something and greet, like just over the court, it's been like, three weeks of at least uh, no schooling or something like some four weeks where schools have been canceled. Like that's, there's a lot of time to think and reflect and wonder like, what's the point and how long is this going to last? And, and then it's, I think there, there are going to be like people, people are dying from this too. Right. And that's another element of this whole, that's been a part of, our stories too. So I think there's a lot of connections to what's going on right now for sure. And it's, it's not the best way to word this, but this is almost a dream situation for a pastor uh, because most of our time we're trying to convince people that like life can change dramatically. Things are outside of our control. Like we're, we're trying to show people that like we, even though we have this sense of complete autonomy that we can control everything in our own little bubbles, um, pastors often try spend a lot of time trying to show people that you, you don't. And I think situations like this is when people finally realize like, oh, things are actually outside of my control. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. Are confessions still relevant right now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I, I don't know if I want to be more vulnerable. Like I'm never <laughs> yeah. vulnerable with people. So this is right, right. people yeah. never know anything about my personal life. So maybe I we can have a lighthearted confession, a COVID yeah. COVID. Well, confession. I, I need to confess. I for one, so. I do. I do want to say I appreciate you guys being willing to to share those stories. It means a lot, and uh, it's a, it's a weird experience in this weird digital way, but it's been mm-hmm. appreciated. Well, and also like yeah, that's good. to connect it again to kind of what's going on right now. Like all these things we're talking about happened long ago, right? And we're saying they're the. In, in the moment of the, all those things, they were the worst thing ever for us, right? In those moments. And for I think for some people, this what's going on right now is that, right? Like this is the worst thing or it's starting to feel that way or it's building up to that. But I think hearing yeah. and knowing context, right? Like, like hearing, man, there's some other than being cooped up in my house and like like there's a lot of things that I don't like about what's going on right now and I might be afraid about, but there's other things that have happened to me too, that I've made it through. Right. Like it's kind of interesting to hear all these stories and know at the moment that was the worst thing ever. Mm -hmm. Right. But now, yeah. Hmm. One of the, the interesting things for me during this situation is uh, people keep on uh, uh, calling me to see how I'm doing. Like being a single person, awesomely, and a pastor, awesomely, everybody's like super concerned about my about my uh, uh, emotional and relational life and whatnot. And it kind of it kind of makes me makes me laugh. Like this is a tough time. Like I am struggling with certain parts of it. Uh, but like objectively, I miss being around people that like digital isn't the same. And I, I do miss that. Uh, but subjectively, I don't really feel that lonely because people are actually calling me. I'm like, why don't we, <laughs> why, why don't people do this all the time? Like, yeah. <laughs> why is it now that people realize like, oh, we should uh, uh, see how other people are doing who are in yeah. a, like, so it, yeah, there are bad parts to it, but there's, I think people are getting their priorities uh, straightened around here. And it's, it's well, been, it's been great connecting with people in ways that I haven't before. We'll hope those habits carry over. Yeah, yeah probably right. not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully people I've been calling my mom every single day. So yeah. yeah. All right. Little breath. And then we'll confess. Mm-hmm. How's that tea, Peter? Oh, it's fantastic. All right. <laughs> now, before we have a time of confession, um, and I was going to say confession and assurance because that's usually what I do, but um, we we were just talking in the break here of uh, like how heavy of an episode this is and uh it's heaviness i think is good i think often we do want to run away from it but i i think we do need to add a little uh hopefulness to it uh it kind of reminds me of the good old uh philosopher soren kierkegaard uh i've, <laughs> I've mentioned him yeah. before <laughs> but but he he talked about how we cannot really know ourselves until we actually know the anguish that we're often in. And when we recognize that anguish, that despair, we, we can actually see, um, uh, see hope, see goodness. And, uh, and he was a Christian philosopher too. Like, uh, and so he often connected that, to, uh, that to God because, even though we don't understand the reasons for all the difficulties and the chaos and the evil that exists, uh, we, um, this is probably a good episode to record after good Friday, because at least we have a God who understands the despair Mm -hmm. and the pain and, and the affliction. And so, so basically before we do confession, I think it's just good to remember that like, uh, 
uh, difficult topics, uh, kind of knowing our despair and our anguish is actually quite healthy and good for us. I like the connection you made there to Good Friday. Like, been talking to my kids about it lately. Like, they're like my six year old. We've had these conversations before, but my four year old is starting to understand it a little bit too, or ask questions about it, anyways. And kind of even my six year old will say, Yeah, we celebrate Good Friday, or wait, we don't really celebrate Good Friday, we acknowledge it, or we. What did she say tonight? She said, we, um, we remember, um, the crucifixion is what like my six year old said. Right. So like she, she knows it's not necessarily a celebration, but it's important. Right. So I like that connection to good Friday. Yeah. And then maybe our, our next podcast needs to be a resurrection kind of story. Yeah. There, there we go. Yeah. Yeah, good Good Friday sermons are always the sermons that I actually look forward to, which is kind of weird. Um, uh, but but after after writing yesterday's, I'm like, man, I talked about death a lot. <laughs> but I always like the songs better that go with those services too. Whenever we lead worship for those kinds of services, there is better songs. At least they're deeper, anyway. They seem yeah. to be. So shall we do confession? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, thanks. I've been, I've, got, I've been waiting this whole episode just to do my confession. So I really. Well, are you, are you open to go first, Tyler? Sure. We should make, well, we should, if this is a longer one, we should make him go last to really hook the, hook the <laughs> okay. listeners in here. I don't mind going first. Cause mine's um, now that we're recording technologically with each other. Um, mine's a technological confession. Okay. And I, it's kind of a two-parter. One is I haven't been on Facebook for probably five or ten years. And I wanted to play poker so badly with Tyler that I was willing to create a, recreate my Facebook account. Oh, that's why I didn't do it. And oh. so I got it up. And then I couldn't get the app in time because you have to have at least 60 minutes before creating between creating a Facebook account and downloading an app. So in that time, I had people requesting me for friends. I don't know how they even would see that I was on there, um, but I denied those. And then once I found I couldn't get onto the poker game, I quickly uh, deleted Facebook once again. So I'm still not on Facebook. Um, but then Tyler's dad wanted to get a poker game going, and I was unable to put money onto my account to play poker. So I don't know how to use the Internet to spend money. Apparently, I'm the only person on earth who. Which can. is a very good thing. They always make it so easy. Yeah, my credit card and my debit card both say these cannot be linked to online gaming sites. So I thought I took that as a sign. Oh. So are you so just like itching to gamble? Like that is that your confession? Is that you no, need to be gambling right now? Is, I <laughs> thought it was really going to be a community moment. I bet you this episode guys. gets the most listens we've ever had. I bet you hundred bucks. Oh, <laughs> I'll take that. <laughs> you know, gambling is a sin. Yes, <laughs> I know. Is that one of those books behind you? Oh, I'm sure I could find something like that in one of the books. Well, <laughs> then someone's looking out for me because I'm not able to gamble. All right. Uh, Peter? I guess my confession is sometimes I, I'm just stubborn um, and uh, – uh, I refuse to do something even though there's no reason not to. And this is such a minor thing, but like a, a group of a group of pastors wanted to communicate with each other more easily with WhatsApp. And I just, I hate apps. I didn't want to put another app. Um, and I just, yeah, I, I just refuse to get it. So finally, uh, about six months later, after uh, these pastors have been communicating with WhatsApp, I finally decided to get the app, but I still haven't talked to any of them on it yet uh, because <laughs> I just, I'm just stubborn like that. So eventually I'm going to text them or use WhatsApp, whatever. Um, Dana's one of those pastors. So if you ever have her on here again, uh, um, oh, we yeah, should. She can. Although she's made it very clear she wants nothing to do with the gentleman anymore. <laughs> no, no, I'm just kidding. 
we had a great time for you guys anymore yeah (laughs) maybe maybe we can just do a podcast episode of me and dana that would be i would love that i would subscribe (laughs) Uh, my confession is um um it is one of those things that you uh as a married person it's it's something that you kind of overlook pretty easily and i and i and and took me a little bit to figure it out as to what i was doing but i've been recording videos for my lessons for school and then in my goal to as like a hobby was to be to do a new song and a video every friday until the end of june so i want to do a video every single week nice so we're three in. I've got three done, but I I don't know if I'll be able to do it. But it's like it's like a goal, and it's also they're all I good. Put my, yeah. Thank you. I, I'm putting my effort into something, you know, throughout the days, and and it's really fun. Um, but I made the assumption that my wife was also maybe into it with me, and um, you know what I mean. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, man. Seriously, seriously. Been um, married long enough she, to know that. Lovely, and, and and she puts up with it, and she helps film some of the stuff. And Chris, you were there when she filmed yeah, us she outside. Was, like she's she's great. She laughed even. But she's also just a gorgeous singer, and I and I wanted her to sing on some of the songs, and so I just assumed that she would want to. I just assumed, hey, you'll sing on these songs, and she'd say, yeah, okay, like, you know, <laughs> she she was polite, and and but I just I completely just didn't take a step back, and like you know when you get into something, right, a project, it just kind of takes over, and you're excited, and I just wasn't really being very sensitive, and so. I'm just confessing that I kind of realized this week, like, uh, you know, I got to just maybe stop pushing it. And I don't think she's as into singing goofy math songs as I am, which is totally fine. Mm. Um, but it, it was a blind spot for sure. I was so gung ho <laughs> about this that I, I just, oh, you don't want to sing about polynomials? Wow. Oh, no kidding. I, Shoot, I was going to ask her to sing. I think sometimes you need to work better on communication because I remember an incident where you didn't inform Heidi <laughs> about the as, as well. So it's, it's funny. I've always sort of, I've always sort of thought we 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 communicate pretty well, but I guess I got to rethink things now. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was gonna say yeah, I, she is very supportive, though. I will say she's she's a good spirit, a good sport. So should I? I just made a. I was gonna call her to see if she would sing the hook on like a. A song about Hitler and Joseph Stalin, but should I not? <laughs> like she wouldn't be. Well, she maybe like social more oh, than math. Please make that phone call. Make that phone call. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, you guys were kind of Chris and Peter were really setting the stage for my recommendation. Yours is a little Graham's is a little bit in another direction, but about a year ago, I it might have been a recommendation, or we just talked about it on a podcast how we need to get off social media. So I did, like I hadn't been on Twitter, it was deleted off my phone. I checked it like once a month on the computer. Um, but um, I'm fully back in all social media, even Facebook. That's the real confession. Is that, like I'm actually on Facebook and I haven't been on that one. I've been off for a long time, but like I'm, I, Ty, was it was it a slippery slope? Was it all at once? Was it one, then another, then like, how'd that yeah, happen? Well, no, it was like... A, it was a little build, I guess, to it. Like I noticed I was on my phone a little bit more and I wasn't like craving, I guess, the social interaction a little more, like with not seeing people as much. And like, I was, so I was getting more out of Instagram maybe. And then I was like, wow, I might as well add Twitter, see what's going on. Right. And then I'm like, oh, some of these things are kind of connected. Like I'm getting, people are commenting on Facebook on something that I posted on Instagram and somehow they're seeing it. So now I'm going to check Facebook and now I'm fully in. Um, well, so I'm kind of going against what I said. The, the caveat, I guess, is that there's like a, it took like a global pandemic to get me back yeah. onto These are it. Difficult times. But um, yeah, the conf- I've been kind of talking high and mighty about being off of social media for a year and now I'm. Yeah. You've been on that high horse. So follow and ICAP on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> and just to be clear, can you gamble on all three of those platforms? <laughs> Peter, Peter can't. You can find it. <laughs> Tyler, I've been so close to doing it and I, I haven't yet. But now that I hear this, I feel like the door is opening for me because, well, Tyler did it. So, well, like, here's the, the surprising thing is that, like, a big part of why I left it was because it, I always, whenever I went on for a Twitter session, I'd leave angry and frustrated and it was not a positive experience, but right now it feels different. 
again, it might be tying back to what we've talked about with our stories about empathy and about everyone kind of knowing that everyone else is going through this too. Like Twitter seems like a more positive place than the one I left. Um, so I don't know if that encourages you to go on or not. But Maybe you've changed your who you're following too. I did unfollow a couple people once I got back on. But. Can you tweet about my videos? Well, that's, <laughs> that's the true confession is that I went back on social media to promote my own videos. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've seen a couple of those tweets. I think I like them. Do it though. You put all that effort in it, people should see them. It's good. Yeah, that's right. Okay, well, wow. This is uh, this is over an hour, boys. So we really covered the topics tonight. Um, Plus, I have to wake up early tomorrow to preach. Right. So thanks a lot. Oh, so do we to hide <laughs> eggs. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, guys, that was a lot of fun. Any uh, any closing thoughts on this? I appreciate your, your willingness to share. So thank you again. Well, I wasn't going to say this till the end of the episode, but I was going to try to go the whole time without saying sounds good because in listening to other podcasts i say that maybe two or three times every episode oh like when graham says maybe we should do some confessions i go sounds good every time <laughs> that's like our thing though my thing so is I saying um cool. and like a lot yeah well that's more endearing yeah speaking of endearing peter thanks for joining us yeah thanks yeah. for inviting me always Always good to know that I'm still welcome once in a while. To oh, yeah. You are always welcome. At least yeah. every other time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And guys, this is this is only a couple of weeks after our last one. So maybe we'll be a, more of a steady clip with with our current situation. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe it will become viral. Yeah. Right. Thank Get you the for that. Yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> we really have to end this. Thank you for joining us, everyone. Uh, we'll see you next time on Harmonious <laughs> Gentle. <laughs> Are we supposed to do that? Or is that a okay. thing? See you guys. Wait, I actually have one more thing. Like The whole point of the social media confession was to get you guys to follow me on TikTok. I've become like a TikTok sensation. TikTok famous. Awesome. Just look up Ty Cap on TikTok. You know, I've got like a million followers. Check I it out. I can't wait. I, I, before you said a million, I was going to ask if you were serious about. <laughs> okay. See you, boys. See ya. <laughs>